Ursula Eisen is a Vienna-based creative strategist and founder of Red Swan, which helps individuals, companies, and other organizations to turn uncertainty into a competitive advantage with future scenario thinking method. She holds masters in sinology, political science, economy, and advanced studies in public relations. Ursula uses her knowledge to share information on future scenarios, technology, business, and the human factor, and also helps her clients become wildly successful by diving deep into their subconscious minds. Interesting, isn't it? This is the Guiding Voice podcast series, the Guiding Voice for a Better Future. Folks, I'm your host, Navin Samala, just a fellow IT professional on a mission to shape the careers and lives of millions across the globe. And through the Guiding Voice, we drive conversations that matter, conversations that add value to your life and your career. And successful leaders across the globe share their knowledge and wisdom through our platform. And our audience will acquire more knowledge by tuning into our podcast for every minute than any other podcast in this space. Thank you so much for joining me today. Let us chat with Ursula about scenario thinking process in today's episode. Ursula, hearty welcome to The Guiding Voice. And I'm super excited to have you join me. Thank you very much for having me. And thank you for this beautiful introduction. Yeah, pleasure to have you, Ursula. And uh, let's uh, dive into the conversation. Just to begin with, probably you can share about your career journey, how it all started. How did you get into your current uh, position? Mm-hmm. I used to work as a production manager, narrator, and presenter in theater, film, and opera before I took a 180-degree turn and became a technology consultant and communication professional. I then worked for Austria's biggest and most prestigious PR and lobbying agency. So I got uh, really insights into politics, public relations, and also economy, because of course our clients were from the business side. And then actually I took another turn and became a future scenario facilitator. And uh, taking this wonderful methodology, I founded my own business, Red Swan, in 2015. And since then, I developed future scenarios for companies, but also individuals to help them to turn uncertainty into an advantage. All right. That's quite an impressive journey. And you mentioned about Red Swan is the company name, right? I heard about Black Swan, but Red Swan sounds interesting. So can you share briefly about what this Red Swan is all about? Um, most certainly. You already mentioned Black Swan. Um, there's discipline. I'm not talking about the film. I'm talking about the book by Nassim Taleb. Um, it's a strategy book and he describes Black Swan scenarios. Black Swan scenarios are scenarios which are highly unlikely actually to happen, but have huge impact. And uh, we, I, I like this book a lot. And um, we are also in the future scenario business. So I took this swan idea and uh, we added the red into the black swans and uh, what is it all about the red is the passion and creativity we add to the whole process wow <laughs> quite interesting <laughs> see you started uh, with theater and then got into technology consulting communications lobbying agency and now you have become a future scenario consultant right this is a quite a long journey and Throughout this journey, what are the top three things that have helped you to be successful in your professional life? 
Um, it's understanding that uncertainty is a gift and um, being able to take risks. Then my enthusiasm and creativity. And last but not least, my brother as a great sparring partner for my business. Oh, wow. So you're joined by your brother in your business. Oh, wonderful. Yes. <laughs> moving to the core of today's, yeah, that, that's nice. And uh, moving to the core of today's conversation. Can you share briefly about what this scenario thinking process is all about? Most certainly, and thank you very much. Scenario thinking was invented by the U.S. Air Force in the 1940s. What did they want to know? What could the enemy do? And of course, that's a question that is highly uncertain. A not so elegant way to find that out is espionage, but that also doesn't always go so well. So uh, the U.S. Air Force came up with a process in which they imagined different scenarios. Like Usually it's like four different scenarios. Uh, what could happen? And because they knew uh, it would actually be a quiet, um, a very powerless position to try to predict the future, they came up with difference and paid for all of them. So no matter what the future holds, they would be prepared for everything. This um, was then in the 1960s and 70s, famously adapted by the big oil company Royal Dutch Shell with great success. Uh, they were able to skyrocket from a rather weak market position to the number two top oil companies in the world. And I had the great opportunity to, to learn it from the former chief strategist of Shell, Uh, his name is Karl Rose. He happens to be an Austrian as myself. And in 2010, he came back to Austria after 25 years serving at Shell. And he gave me this wonderful process. And so then in 2015, I started my own company. And uh, what is it all about? Well, it's we are developing future scenarios, not to try to predict the future, because as I mentioned, that's a rather powerless um Um, situation. If you try to predict something, it's more about shaping the future and uh, realizing that uncertainties are actually the realm of opportunities. So uh, I, I, I have uh, briefly gone through the methodology and I found that uh, you follow seven steps on the scenario planning, right, in order to take conscious decisions in the company strategy. Can you elaborate on that seven steps? Yes. So the first is you have to frame the challenge. What actually do you want to know? Maybe I accompany this by, um, by an example. I use that for a 13-year-old student who had de to decide which school she wanted to go to. Because in Austria at 13, you have to decide that. And her whole, her whole family was actually quite desperate. It was like, we don't know. She doesn't know. She's desperate. We don't know how to take this decision. So I said, well, I have a process for that. If she wants to, I can guide her through this process and maybe we can find out um, what would be the best decision for her. And actually it worked very, very well. I was actually concerned because I've had never tried it on a 13-year-old. And uh, as I mentioned, it's a process that comes from the military. But it works very, very well with young people because they like to think about the future. It's They are the future, right? So, well, first we frame the challenge. The challenge was, which school do I want to go to? Then we were gathering driving forces for this topic. In this case, I asked her things like, What would you like to see changed in the world? 
what how would you like to contribute to that and what are skills you already have or you would like to acquire to solve this problem um, we were gathering that and uh, next we were analyzing these um, different driving forces she had and uh, for this we use something that's called um, an impact uncertainty map we ask how important is that for your question and is it already certain how this will develop or is it still uncertain why we, we do we do that we actually want to sort out the certain trends why are we doing that you should never exhaust yourself um, with trying to change things you cannot change so we rather focus on the uncertainties and also uh, because it's the realm where you still can shape the future and of course for for especially for the youth that's very important Then from these critical uncertainties of the future, uh, we took two most significant critical uncertainties as dimensions for a scenario cross. You always form something like the cross. So you have two dimensions and then you have four different scenarios. These four different scenarios actually were four school types then. And next I asked her to act out the four different scenarios really until the end. If you go to this, will you reach your, your goals? Will you reach your career goals? In her case, she told me that um, she really doesn't like injustice and when people are treated badly. So her goal actually was to study um, human rights law and become a human rights lawyer. And according to this, we acted out the scenarios I even um, interviewed her from the future. Like now you're 21 years old and uh, you actually are studying international law. What decisions did you take? Did you go to the right school? Was it, good, was it a good um, decision you took? And did it, did it bring you to where you are now? And uh, this, that was really, really very playful and very interesting. And uh, next, uh, we deducted risks and opportunities that would come from the difference um, schools she would choose. Like if you go to the technical school, maybe you miss up out on the social skills or do you do not get so much about um, economic and business um, forces um, that might also influence um, your thinking, your mindset, etc. The next thing is to take inspired action steps. That's the last, the seventh step. And uh, she did that. <laughs> she decided which school she wanted uh, to go to. When her mother came to pick her up, this is what we did that on a Saturday from 10 a.m. to uh, 4 p.m. Wow. Her mother came and, and she asked, um, well, uh, do you now know uh, which school you want to go to? And I said, well, I think she knows quite well what she wants. And the mother again was like, but, but you told me you don't know. Uh, and uh, then the girl said, well, mom, until today, I didn't know, but now I do. So this was the whole process and it was very rewarding so uncertainty to full clarity that is what uh, this girl got yes uh, yeah so and uh, now i'm very curious to understand if this scenario planning can be used in our businesses because we are in ever changing environment right we are in this mm -hmm. world that's what people say volatile uncertain and then complex and ambiguous environment so given that world is changing at a faster pace than ever in the history, how can we use mm -hmm. this? Yes. 
I must say that when this whole craziness, let's call it, started in 2020, my phone didn't stop ringing. Before that, it actually was quite hard to sell uncertainty. And I totally understand nobody likes uncertainty. We are confronted with uncertainty every day, but we hate it. People usually, especially in business, managers in business, usually say, rather give me some certainty than teaching me about uncertainty, right? Rather give me some predictions uh, I could rely on, but actually we cannot rely on any predictions. The future is not ours to see, uh, it's ours to shape. And this is actually um, what we do in the scenarios. And what I, I'm seeing now, uh, it's really also very rewarding to help businesses through this stormy waters. And uh, I think the most important thing is that with the scenario process, we really dive deep with the driving forces down to the core principles and values a business has as a beacon of light guiding them through stormy waters. Then you are not just like tossed around all the time. You know, these are our guiding principles and we can actually capitalize on that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, quite interesting. And I'm getting fascinated towards this subject. Now, uh, talking about... Uh, converting this uncertainty into competitive advantage, right? And uh, by doing so, uh, I think we can also create our uh, desired future for the business, right? So yes. what are your tips on this particular topic? Yes, uh, maybe uh, also a personal example. I um, attracted a lot of bad business partners and I wanted to change that. So I used my own process to do that. I sat down and looked at my own driving forces at my core principles values. What do I really want to see in a business partner? I came up also with two dimensions. The one dimension is trust. Can I trust this person or not? And the other dimension for me was uh, striving for excellence. Is it there or is it not there? And if you form uh, like four different scenarios, or in this case, personas, for me, it was like you have the empathic business leader, which is my ideal business partner. You have psychopathic business leaders. You have narcissistic business leaders. And you have the supporter who might not strive for excellence, but can support you in your business. Then... Next step is you have to take inspired action steps. I think awareness is very important. And this is what we do first. You have this deep dive and become aware what are your core principles, but then you have to act accordingly. And this is what I did. I analyzed that and ask myself, why am I always attracting narcissists and psychopaths? I tried them all and I was sick of it. So I actually realized that my network coming from politics and public relations, etc., the network meetings, actually, there would always be a lot of these people attracted to these meetings. There are a lot of narcissists and psychopaths in that. So I decided to find different networks, to find different meetings to go to, and um, started that also internationally. And it was very successful. I actually really found business partners I can trust and can rely on. And we are developing great things together. Mm -hmm. Arsula, I have attended one of your previous uh, talks and uh, you mentioned about uh, humanization and dehumanization of uh, technology, right? Why should we really care about that? 
Mm, yes. Well, I'm a technology consultant of over 20 years now, and I've seen the good, the bad, and the ugly of technology. I'm very passionate, actually, in uh, promoting good technology, which is for the benefit and well-being of people, but I do not want to see it used to, against them. And why should we be so aware of that? Uh, maybe a practical example. I think every one of us had a lot, a lot of Zoom meetings now. Right. So we could say what a blessing that was that we could do all the Zoom meetings. Maybe in, in the future, we just do Zoom meetings and never meet in person again. Wouldn't there be the effect that we all got very, very exhausted and tired when doing that, when only using the technology and not meeting in person? I recently heard a psychologist speak on that, and he actually explained that our body in a conversation, a real conversation, always tries to connect to the other person. So our mind says, there's another person in the room. Then the body starts to try to connect with all our hormones and pheromones and is shooting all the time, but it cannot meet the other person. The other person is not in the room. It's just the technology. So this actually leads to complete exhaustion. We really, we are a as we as humans are a social species. We have to connect to each other, and we should never forget that. And if technology helps us to connect to other people, it's very good. But if technology tries to to tell us, oh, only live in the virtual um, realm, only play computer games at home, and only live in the metaverse, I think that's very problematic, and it's very unhealthy for people. But unfortunately, people are uh, just glued to the technology and trying to become lazy. That is uh, the important mm. problem which you are trying to address by educating. So good to see yeah, that. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. So in this uh, world where everything is getting automated, right? And is a fully automated world success for humanity or it's dangerous? And, and also when it comes to businesses, if you look at... Uh, some of the processes which were done manually, majority of them are automated at this point in time. And uh, tying that with uh, the efficiency achievement and all, how much of these uh, business processes needs to be automated? Uh, I think, of course, there's a place for automation, uh, but it always should be on the uh, in the right place. I think, for example, in customer service, every one of us has experienced how good voice bots work, right? I think everyone had a really, really bad experience. You just want to uh, call them because your internet is not functioning and the voice bot is telling you, uh, I don't understand you. Can you please say that again? And you say, try to say internet. And the voice bot says again, I don't understand you. Can you please say that again? So actually it does not work so well yet. And I also think that the optimization should be on the back end. Why not having it on the back end? Like for the ticketing service, if you already know, oh, this customer already called three times. This is something they usually do not know. This is very useful. The, if they have a ticketing, automated ticketing system that tells them this customer already called three times, they want to change their modem or something like that. That's very useful. But do not try to replace human beings in the customer journey, for example, with machines. It just doesn't work. And nobody wants it. 
And for the for the future of works, um, I had the opportunity to develop uh, scenarios for the future of works recently. Then we asked people to really live the scenarios and also to to imagine their different personas from very young to very old and different um, types of careers. And actually, there was a scenario that was called the fully automated stress scenario. And people just hated that. They actually thought that's really, really the very worst thing that can happen. But we are already halfway in and we should do something about it. A great conversation so far. But let's add some spice to the episode. I'm going to kick off a quick rapid fire round with your consent. Are you ready? <laughs> All right. So all you have to do is just answer those questions crisply in a word or two kind of thing. And uh, with that, uh, I'll fire the first bullet. So Arsula, what was your childhood fantasy? I always had this dream of flying away. <laughs> okay. So what is one best piece of advice that you have received so far? With your passion and fresh perspectives, you can do everything. Wow. Your passion and fresh perspective, you can do everything. Great. Okay, moving to the next one. What are three things that you cannot uh, live without? Good talks, long walks, music and dance. It's four, I know, but... <laughs> <laughs> okay, moving to the next one. What is one best decision that you have taken so far? Embarking on the adventure of founding my own business. Yeah, that is where uh, most people get stuck between job versus business, but you took that leap. Mm. Mm, interesting. Let me fire the last bullet out of the rapid fire. What is one fantasy gadget that you'd like to see or invent yourself? It's actually not a gadget. What I would like to see is free, unlimited energy production and storage, because without that, all our devices are utterly useless. Yeah, in, in fact, uh, it actually saves uh, Mother Earth and we can preserve it for the next generations as well. That comes with a noble cause. And I wish uh, we get to that we, we get to that uh, very soon. That was a quick rapid fire and it was uh, interesting. And uh, with that, let me flip back to the mainstream and ask you one final question for today's conversation, Arsula. What will be your biggest piece of advice to those aspiring to make big in their career or lives? You can... Pick either of them. I think for both career and life, uh, I would never really separate the two, is turn uncertainty into an advantage. Oh, <laughs> such a profound and powerful message. Turn an uncertainty into advantage. Yeah, in fact, uh, I think this is the time where we are living in uncertain times and definitely whoever is able to convert those uncertainty into certainties and turn them into complete advantage, they are going to flourish in the market. All right? Yes, Great. win big times. Yeah, win big times, yeah. Great tip. And um, Arsula, thank you so much for joining me today. And it was a fabulous conversation. Thank you for your time and amazing insights. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Naveen, for your time, for the great question and the great conversation. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, same here, Arsula. So, folks, before we move into the trivia section, here is a request to you. In case if you haven't subscribed to us, Please subscribe to us from the app where you have tuned in from. Also, if you have loved this episode and enjoyed the conversation, feel free to share with at least three of your friends or colleagues who can benefit from the guiding voice. Thank you so much in advance. Now, let's hop into the trivia segment of today's episode. 
So today we spoke about uh, scenario thinking, future scenario planning, and also a bit of technology. I would like to share a trivia about the first handheld phone. Do you know Motorola is the first company to manufacture a handheld mobile phone? And uh, Martin Cooper is the father of the handheld cell phone. He's also the co-founder of several communications companies. It was in the 1970s when Cooper was with Motorola, which was an American multinational telecommunications company, when he invented the first handheld cellular mobile phone. You know, Martin Cooper led Motorola with his inventions and brought them to the market in the year 1983. And he was the first ever person to make a handheld mobile phone call in public. Interesting, isn't it? That's all for today. Thank you so much for joining me. But folks, before I let you go, I request you to share your topic recommendations and guest speaker suggestions through social media or email us at theguidingvoiceforyou at gmail.com. I'm your host, Navin Samala, just a fellow IT professional and a passionate learner on a mission to shape the careers and lives of millions across the globe. Until next time, bye-bye. See you all in the next episode with another wonderful guest.